Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. At Lemonada Media, we are on a mission to make life suck less. That's why we are so excited to announce the launch of our newest show, Good Things, a podcast we specifically created to highlight people and organizations who make our world a better place. Hosted by a rotating cast of our favorite Lemonada hosts and special guests, Good Things highlights incredible organizations that are solving our country's most complex issues. From working to improve the American foster care system to fighting to increase diversity and inclusion initiatives, this show shines a light on the fixers out there who are working to make good things happen. Good Things is available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And I was this week old when I learned that Fez from that 70s show is just short for foreign exchange student. It's not actually his name. The stoner kids just like deemed his name like unpronounceable. <laughs> very cool. Uh, and this is Mohanna Dilshehi, very pronounceable name. And this week, just like last week, I am still alive and I'm, I'm just going to keep at it. And I'm Oja Lopez and I slept all week with no sheets on my bed because... Um, I just haven't really wanted to put them on there because I'm being lazy this week. I hope everyone can forgive me for that. <laughs> Happy for you. Yeah. Living your truth. Am I sad? Is that what that is? Is that sadness? Probably. <laughs> it got cold, really cold this week, and I'm really trying to trying to process it, you guys. So I'll put some yeah. sheets on my bed. If you want. I think you should, even if you don't want to. Okay. Yeah, you should. 100%. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go for it. Thank you, Do guys. it right now. We'll wait for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> We are talking to Atsuko Okatsuka today. Really exciting. Um, she is a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer. Um, Mohanan has done some Zoom com- comedy shows with her. Amazing. Um, and I think, I mean, everyone in my life mostly knows her as the uh, person who started the Drop Challenge, which if you're not familiar, if you're not on TikTok... It's a Beyonce song. I think it's Partition. And her and her grandmother are going around L.A. basically dropping it low in various places around the city. And it became a challenge, the drop challenge. Um, I literally have sent it to multiple group chats because I'm trying to get um, any of my friends to do it with me. (laughs) So we're going to be talking with Atsuko about... Britney and Jamie Lynn and family stuff. And of course, some Che Diaz because Mohanan has a lot to get off his chest. <laughs> yes, we're going go, to <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk yes. about Che Diaz, uh, my favorite stand-up comedian on earth and someone who I uh, hope to be like one day. Asko, thank you for joining us. You've actually been trending in my group chats, like multiple group chats in my phone, because you started the drop challenge. I mean, like, and that, and that is like, I don't really do many challenges, but like, that was one I was like, oh, let's go do this one. I need to understand. Yes. Okay. When you, when you start a challenge, like a TikTok challenge, do you go in with the mindset of like, I am creating a challenge or does it go viral? And then you're like, oh, I need to attach a challenge to it. I'm sure some people go into it like I'm going to create something. My mind does not know how to work like that. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to work like that. It was just us having fun. So I'm so glad that folks like it spoke to them enough to squat all over the world. 
<laughs> Everyone is squatting. I don't know if Mohanad and Oha have been squatting all over the world, but oh, I like yeah. I, I wanted because a lot of people think yeah. that when they see how far I can drop, they're surprised. So I'm like, I want the world to see like I can drop it really far. Like uh, I can get all the way down. Fuck them for being surprised. <laughs> exactly. No, I, yeah. I've seen it. I enjoyed it, but I uh, don't like to be challenged at all. So yeah. I was like, good for them. I'm I'm just going to uh, take the L here and just, uh, you know, be happy for people doing it. See, this is why I came on to this podcast, because I knew everyone on the podcast were, you know, like their own autonomous beings with <laughs> with the ability exactly. to make their own decisions, whether they want to they do the challenge or not. I like doing challenges and showing no one. I like knowing as a power grab in my mind that I yeah. can do the challenges in a silent, dark room with no audience yeah, and be successful. And then I tell no one except for you guys right in this moment. That's so hot. Yeah. And everyone who's li- who listens to this podcast. Hell yeah. yeah oh, uh. So, That's so I'm cool. doing some freaky shit in my own room at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like doing things for yourself. May I suggest a Zoom comedy show? Just like with now. <laughs> right now. Like in 2022. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> or like our yeah, the Zoom the Zoom comedy show like in 2022. Like do you think that you could pull the audiences the way you could in 2020? I love I love that Kiki you're implying that in 2020 uh the audience was pulled at all. <laughs> I mean, I was I attended three Zoom comedy shows in 2020. I'm saying I just yes. I thought everyone was doing it. <laughs> I would say 70% of the Zoom comedy shows I've done you look at me on the screen and you'd think someone is holding a gun next to me and making me do this. <laughs> well, the worst part was like not being able to like laugh with other people. Like it was the muted laughs that really like mm-hmm. made me not want to attend future zoom comedy shows yeah no i get you and i i actually i'm a villain because i made mohana do a comedy show for just librarians do you remember that and i i, I was surprised you still talked to me that was really good <laughs> like I, they actually stayed unmuted the whole time right that's my main problem is that people just like sometimes you have an audience and they just will not unmute themselves and their cameras are off and it's just like i'm being held the hostage here because i'm not <laughs> sure what's happening and yeah. they think that they've if they typed in the chat that's good i'm like no that's just twitter like this is like <laughs> right so yeah what i love about stand-up is no one gets to react to what i'm saying in real time and tell me what they yeah. think about my words and also like try to tag them i'm just like no are you tagging my jokes right now while I'm them? I'm like, no <laughs> Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. But these librarians, they weren't they weren't really like writing in the chats. They were watching the show. Yeah. yeah. So props to them. Essential workers. Yeah. I love that. 100%. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was reading your background and you I was crying laughing when you were telling the story about the time you went to see your father and you went to a water park and like just reading it, I, I mean, I think that the audience needs to understand the just how hilarious this story is. But it actually ended up in this beautiful apology. I don't know if this is one of the best apologies you've ever received or one that's the most memorable. But I would love for people to just hear this story because it's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, my father and I were sort of like separated from each other. Honestly, my family owed me a lot of apologies, the various family members, because, you know, the reason I didn't see my dad for a long time is because essentially my grandma kidnapped me to the United States, you know, uh, after the divorce and all this stuff between my dad and my mom. And, you know, when you kidnap some- someone to the U.S. with just a tourist visa, right, what happens is, you know, you you become undocumented immigrants <laughs> if you overstay. She said you're just going on a vacation to Los Angeles for a couple months. And right. then you so you think you don't say goodbye to your friends or anything. And you're just like, cool, see you in a couple months and then never leave L.A. That screws a person up. Look at me now. Well, yeah. <laughs> Forcing yeah. Mohanad to do librarian shows. <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't even know what I said to try to make it sound good. I said, hey, you know, uh, they love comedy. I think that's what it was. That was the sell. Yeah, and it also paid. So that's 
yeah. Right, right, right. It helps yeah. to beef it up by being like, you know, I'm a big fan, you know, love your jokes, you know. Exactly. I think that, yeah. that stroked the ego enough. But anyway, oh, yeah. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a normal functioning person and it's because of that. Like I, I didn't know I was going to be like living here. I didn't know I was going to be stuck here. If you want to, you know, come back to the States when you're undocumented, you can't leave, you know? So I was separated from my dad. I hadn't. And then, so it'd been many, many years when I finally got my green card, that's when I decided to go visit him. And by then he was living in Bali as a retired man and so um, he just tried to really make it up, you know, make up for the lost time. So he bought tickets to a water park for us. Yeah. How to... old were you at that point? I was 17. Okay. I was 17. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, water park. I don't swim, but he doesn't know that because <laughs> that's what happens when you haven't seen someone. Yeah. In a yeah. 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 We barely know each other. We don't know our interests. Mine's not anything near the water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and also water park, you know, also it's like 17 year old doesn't also seem like it would be something you would take a 17 year old. But also you, you discover the water park really is just an ocean. Right. In Indonesia, that's just the ocean. <laughs> he he took me. He parked. We're here. I said, "This is oh, just the whole. Ho- it's just open ocean, <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of uncles brought like little boats and a couple like you know things they created on their own that are rides and started charging people and they call it a water park. It's kind of like. Did you ever see that documentary, a uh, class action park? It was about action park in New <laughs> yes, Jersey. Yes, that was such a great. Doc. Like, it sounds like a version of that, where it's just homemade, yeah. um, water park. Yeah, it's just the hustle. It's a form of hustle, and I respect that so much. You know, um, yeah, and so there's so he had me going on like he had me do paragliding he had me do like a flying fish boat that was one of the rides (laughs) Mm. and the flying fish boat they call it that because you're attached to a boat you're you're, it's like a floating device uh with like two little strings that you hang on to no life vest nothing um and then sometimes, and then you're getting pulled by this boat and sometimes the boat goes so fast that you become vertical to the water uh, oh, again just oh, holding little strings god yeah and uh so he was doing things like that and the thing is he wouldn't go on any of the rides with me he was just there to take pictures of me doing it <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <laughs> he's like putting you in life and death situations and going like you got this baby girl you can yeah. do this which is such a dad thing to do like one time my dad took me to a rotisserie chicken place in the full mm-hmm. nude when I was eight years old and had uh-huh. me just hopping on tables and slipping. Uh, excuse me? Dads are the worst babysitters. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they just think, you know, and I get it. Exactly like what you just said, baby girl, when you said that. I was like, it's because the last time we saw each other, I was, at, I was 10. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. like, what do 10 year olds like? You know? Exactly. Yeah. But do they like parag? I mean, the the way you described the paragliding was that it was just a tarp right. attached to a boat that you hang on. Yeah. And the boat takes off, and then you start flying through the air on a tarp. I know exactly. Again, very. You know, it's that hustle. It's that. You know, it's that island hustle where it's just like tarp string. No life vest still, again, okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you go taking off in the air. I just wanted to be on a boat at one point. It's all these things that are attached to a boat. <laughs> and then it goes really fast. And <laughs> and you're like either, you know. Ex- anyway, yeah. So that's when I got really hurt with was with the paragliding. Because you're supposed to come down gently, like by pulling on the strings, either left or right. And the people down uh, at the shore who are like, quote unquote, experts, they try to tell you which one to pull to come down, like gently. <laughs> They're just screaming in the air. <laughs> I, can't, left, I can't hear right. them. They don't have like a megaphone. Yeah. Again, it's very DIY. You know, it's <laughs> Indonesia. Love them. But just like <laughs> screaming. And then I also don't understand the language. So I'm just pulling at both strings really, really fast. So I come crashing down. 
onto rocks and I'm bleeding and my dad runs over to me, gets a couple oh, more pics in. <laughs> he took the pictures before <laughs> he helped you. <laughs> but at this point, I'm like pretty frustrated, you know, and I'm, I'm hurt because I'm like, I don't even like anything water. I don't. And I haven't seen you in a long time. This isn't really like getting to know each other, you know? It's just mm-hmm. you watching me do extreme sports. <laughs> and so that's that's when the apology came, you know, where he was like, I am so sorry. I'm bleeding, you know, out of my knees. He's like, I'm so sorry. I just really wanted to make up for lost time. And I, I just love you so much. I wanted to show you that. And that's when I was like, okay, well, you know, beer. Like, I like beer. <laughs> <laughs> do you like beer? Yeah. We could do that. And so we went to do that. And then we got to really catch up. That's That's so awesome. I love that. I mean, is that your favorite apology of all time? I'm still waiting for one from grandma. Yeah. My grandma moved me from Tokyo. So she should apologize. Yeah. That felt like a downgrade. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) People were shocked. They said, "You're, you're from where? I said, Japan. They said, what? Now you live in a garage with your mom and grandma, your uncle's garage, with no papers? I'll say this. I mean, the U.S. have, like, a very good PR. They're so good at just being, like, it's, it doesn't matter where you're from. France, what is this that? Is Move better. here. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, well, how? Well, you have to come and see for yourself. And then the second you're here, they're like, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you figured it out. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, what, what, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, so, but yeah, moving from Japan, I, I just can't imagine that. Just being here and being like, well, I have less stuff now. That's cool. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I live near Tokyo Disneyland. That was nice. I just imagined yeah. uh, uh, Disneyland uh, from Libya or Venezuela, and it just <laughs> <laughs> it, didn't hit, it didn't hit the it same. Didn't hit the same. <laughs> it didn't have that special magic. Yeah. I just love that you move. You only live in Disneyland adjacent cities. Uh, kind of. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Because I moved to LA. Exactly. Exactly. And you were like, well, it's either that or Florida. So I guess we're just going to go with LA. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is there an amusement park? Okay. I'm in. Oh. Exactly. As long as not a water park, then we're good. Yeah. Let's move there. <laughs> How do I get someone to kidnap me and take me to Tokyo for two months on a vacation and yeah. leave me there? Because now that's kind of like, I would love to do that. I'll that give you my grandma's there. number. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, Don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. You've been keeping up with the Britney and Jamie of it all, Jamie Lynn Spears and Britney Spears of it all. I mean, we've definitely seen Britney 
grow up mm-hmm. and we've seen Jamie Lynn grow up and now we're on the end like the other end of it where now they're both parents um and they're sisters that hate each other which I kind of relate to even more in this weird way like mm. even though I don't want to see it play out like having the siblings that are like going at each other I mean Jamie Lynn just did this big interview along with this book where she is essentially it's almost like she wants an apology because she Mm -hmm. wants us to acknowledge, which, you know, rightfully so she grew up in that same household and they both kind of went through this together. And Brittany was in this conservatorship for what, 13, 14 years. And, you know, Jamie Lynn is saying I had nothing to do with that conservatorship. That was dad. That was mom. And, and her lawyers weren't taking care of her. And in this interview, she even said, you know, Brittany and I went on vacation to Hawaii and that's when Brittany told me, you know, I'm not happy with my situation. And I said, look, let me help you. You know, maybe, you know, you can come live with me in Louisiana because I've heard that if you live out of state, you know, you can for a certain period of time, you can get out of a conservatorship, you know, let me Mm. talk to your lawyer. And she said that she, you know, reached out to lawyers and did all these things and she showed you know, screenshots of text messages between the two of them, mm-hmm. essentially saying, like, I was never a part of this conservatorship. But then when you kind of look into some of the paperwork, some of the people getting paid were like her husband's company. Oh, <laughs> so, it's, okay. you know, it's like it gets it's really convoluted. Right. So we don't really know the answer. But what we do know is that if your sister was somewhere for 13 years as a kid maybe you wouldn't be aware of it but as an adult Mm -hmm. the minute she said i'm not happy right wouldn't you if you had a platform with millions of followers which you do wouldn't you take that and say like oh right i want the world to know my sister is unhappy and i want to do everything in my power to get her out of this i I do think that that interaction of like having a very famous older sister and then you sort of like kind of trailing in the shadow of that a little bit i mean i would venture to say me and my sister have obviously not the same but a similar relationship in that i am very loud and outspoken and do performative things whereas my sister is very sort of like quiet and internal and very like analytical so i could see how you know, when you grow up and there's a lot of sibling differentiation, Mm -hmm. I could see how things start to kind of get a little weird, even as kids, just based on Britney's fame. Not to say that I didn't enjoy, you know, Zoe 101. But um, yeah, it seems like there's some weird stuff brewing here from the moment that they're kids. Well, I think this, I think the weird part, like, I think the saddest part Because the first thing that Jamie Lynn said in her interview was, you know, I was an accident. I was an oops baby because she's, you know, 10 years younger than Brittany. And her father had had a vasectomy, but he didn't go get his checkup. So then he ends up, you know, impregnating the mom. So Jamie Lynn comes along. So the siblings, you have uh, Brittany Jean and you have, I think it's Brian James. So everyone has these BJ initials, Mm. but then they decide to just take the mom's name and the dad's name, Jamie Lynn, and (laughs) call her that. Mm. And then on top of that, Lynn is normally in their family spelled with an E. They didn't even give her the E. So she was already (laughs) like, I feel like nobody wants me. Nobody cares about me. So she kind of grew up in the shadows, just kind of like being quiet. And I think that obviously played a lot into like, look, you know, she was a teen mom. She gets pregnant at 16. Like she was obviously like there were like calls for help. You know, she had this really famous sibling. And so maybe, you know, when she, you know, when she went away, she, you know, she didn't think anything of it because she's like a kid. This is all she knows. Yeah. I think people are just mad that like now she's 30 and she's like, you're aware that your sister was in this situation. Yeah, no, it's. It's kind of it's tough because just because you're siblings, not everyone, not everyone's a Ronan Farrell can just like be taking it up for my my sibling, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I'm going to speak up for my sibling and write articles about it. This is my identity now is speaking up for my sibling against father or whatever, you know what I mean? Or father figure. Um, yeah, I mean, because sometimes, you know, there's people who don't talk, haven't talked to their siblings in years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, especially if you have that baggage of like, 
I was a mistake baby and she was the star number one number one oh god yeah you know she's so lucky she's a star but she cries 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 maybe that was about Jamie Lynn <laughs> I mean I don't know I think what uh, I think I think my issue now is she's trying to get me to read a book and I'm just like I'm I'm not gonna do that uh, a whole ass book too yeah. yeah yeah like just write a blog that will like maybe like someone would just read it and just explain it to me but a book that's that's asking too much from me and can you imagine what the audio version would be like i mean jamie lynn trying to read her story to you i mean no y'all's librarians friends would be extremely disappointed in your behavior your librarian zoom friends they would be like one book you're complaining about reading one book i mean that's the life they chose you know Uh, they chose to read every book in the library which is what librarians do if, if i'm not wrong yeah we chose to speak for a living you know and that's something they they discourage actually yeah like speaking when we're in their space so right um, exactly yeah so do the thing but i, I mean to, to your point oh i mean i also can cannot imagine being the sibling of britney spears which is yeah. you know everyone knows who britney spears is it's literally just like one of the most famous people on earth so i yeah that would i mean that would destroy me just like having to live in someone else's shadow and just being referenced as the sibling of Mm-hmm. so i don't know i think i mean i think if there's anyone to blame here really it's it's mostly their father because that's the real douchebag yeah so they have you know so they have this back and forth right now that's happening in real time i mean the books come out you know britney's lawyers issued um a cease and desist to jamie lynn basically saying if you say anything negative about britney we're gonna have an issue and britney has been posting sort of like notes post to her IG essentially, you know, calling her sister things from like fake and, you know, kind of reliving some things that happened in their childhood. And, you know, it's kind of weird because so much of the free Britney movement I thought was about like giving her space and not like putting the spotlight so much on her. Right. Cause the media is what, you know, caused her to sort of spiral in the first place. And so it's kind of weird that now she has a voice and she's putting it online. We are paying more and more attention to it. I don't know. Like, how do we like navigate this? Like, do we just let her like have her voice and we keep reporting on it? You know, she wants to say things, but it also feels weird. It's like it's like watching people in public fight, which is never comfortable at all. I love it. You love it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If I see people screaming anywhere, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to know what's happening. And then I'll just (laughs) place myself perfectly and try to make myself very small so as to not interrupt whatever their regular life is. But I don't know how to deal with it, really. Like, it feels – it definitely feels like I'm in somebody's living room and two sisters are, like – you know, yelling about really painful things to them. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like I should be a part of this. But also they're bringing it into the public eye. I think Jamie Lynn in particular, I don't think I've ever been like great at public fighting. Like if I, I'm definitely a type of person that's like, we will deal with this at home. Like with anybody that I'm having a problem with, I'm like, this is not the appropriate place for this. But Mm -hmm. I do, I beg other people to fight in public so that I may be a witness to it. But something that I've recently learned too was that, I mean, up until like 2018, up until really the Free Britney movement kind of started up, Britney was posting positive stuff about her sister in 2017 and 2018, like joking together and also kind of like celebrating or sending tweets out about, you know, some of Jamie Lynn's achievements. So it's clear that the souring is maybe a little bit more recent or I don't know if. But I mean, uh, that's if you believe that that she was actually posting like behind her social media stuff. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know. It seems like there's some conspiracy theories there on whether or not she was actually posting to her own social media. Mm. Um, but all that to say is that generally in public, things were positive up until the Free Britney movement kind of started calling out Jamie Lynn. And it seems like the apology that Britney really wants from Jamie Lynn is, look, I, she says, I love you. You're my sister. I'll love you forever. But you sided with the people that did this to me. And mm. I think when they're saying that, they're referring to obviously the dad, Jamie, the mom, but also this Lou Taylor that 
keeps coming up in um, conversation. So Lou Taylor, I, I can't remember exactly her position around the, the family. Mm-hmm. But what I do remember about her is when Courtney Love started speaking up for Britney Spears, she said, Lou Taylor is the one that tried to put me in a conservatorship. Um, oh. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I care a lot. Yes, I care a lot. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like that movie was based on Lou Taylor or someone like Lou Taylor because, um, you know, Courtney was saying that Lou tried to get her in a conservatorship because Courtney owned all, you know, half the rights to the Nirvana, you mm-hmm. know, music. And so it's just interesting that this woman and apparently the interview that took place, everyone said that Jamie Lynn did was in Lou Taylor's house. So she still has a relationship with this woman. And, you know, when people are were pulling out paperwork, they're saying the money trail leads to this woman and it's all back to her. So I think that's the apology ultimately that Britney is trying to get is like, get get these people out of your life that destroyed my life and stop trying to, you know, befriend them. I mean, I'm like the same way. If I'm not friends with you, you better unfollow them on Instagram. So <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like loyalty is big for you, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So if I'm making you unfollow on Instagram, you best believe you better cut business relationships. Yeah, I don't think that's a lot to ask for at all. Like how Jamie handled it as a kid or whatever, you know, sure, that's hard. That's hard. Uh, but now if that's all your your sister's asking for, I don't think that's hard. Just do it. I mean, unless I guess your husband's getting money out of it, too. But then then you are a villain. You're a villain. Yeah. I think the problem is money, right? Because if if Jamie Lynn was making money in some way, shape, or form from this conservatorship, and now the only way she can make money is trying to sell, and you know what I'm saying, like the stories yeah. behind it, uh, that's like the slippery slope. I literally feel like the second that you're like, I have a memoir, I'm just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Ugh everyone's evil who gave her the book deal you know what i'm saying like exactly yeah like it's like when like the trump people like every time like someone leaves office and they're like okay now i have a memoir to why he's bad and i'm just like too late i don't wanna i'm not gonna read this now yeah memoirs feel like they should really be reserved for people who like have made like tremendous impact on our society yes i'll i'll say i'll say this uh, about memoirs in general i feel like the memoir industrial complex need to be abolished soon because <laughs> everyone i know now has a memoir and i'm just like you are literally the least interesting person i know what are you <laughs> writing about uh or like some sometimes someone is like young and i'm just like what have you done your life hasn't even started yet and you're like mm, this is read these uh, 300 pages of my thoughts on stuff and yeah <laughs> that's just a gossip column like yeah. you could exactly. just you could just contribute to something you know like with jamie just like contribute to i don't know people's Start a podcast like everyone, exactly. you know, just be normal. <laughs> exactly. Book another Zoe 101 type. What is that? 201? I don't exactly. know. I never watched the show. You we know? really need to sometimes empower uh, imposter syndrome in some people, you know, be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, if you some maybe maybe you should think that you can do this because this is helpful for everyone involved. It sounds mm-hmm. like she would have to do some apologizing on Zoe 101, though, because I think they were trying to do a reunion. And then one of the actresses came out saying how, like, Jamie Lynn was a bully on that set. What? And, Lord. Yeah. And so there was a whole Instagram post about that. So uh, whether that's true, I mean, it, it sounds like she maybe was a bratty kid, which I'm not surprised. Your sister was Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. You were, like, getting deals because of it. I mean, I I'd probably be a 13-year-old brat, too. Let's be real. Well, then she should just stay at home, be a mother. I don't know. Is that... <laughs> I've heard she... women should do that, and I agree. You know <laughs> what? What are you yeah. doing out there on the streets? It's too late, honey. You gotta go home. Cook, do some dishes. <laughs> don't work. Get paid less than your male counterparts. She should just do that. But just eat it. Yeah. Just be... It's fine. Hi. 
Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few, and of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Can't get enough of your favorite Lemonada Media podcasts? By subscribing to Lemonada Premium today, you'll gain access to fun and inspiring bonus content from all of our podcasts across the Lemonada Media network. As a subscriber, you can listen to never-before-heard interview excerpts, behind-the-scenes segments, and continue to uncover new ways to make life suck less through all of our exclusive subscriber audio. Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. Well, speaking speaking of villains, I'm just I, I just don't want us to not uh, talk about this even quickly. Is uh, uh, Che Diaz because I really wanted to touch on that really quick because I was like, are we gonna end this without talking about this person? He's gonna haunt me forever. Damn it, Mohanad. Oh, okay. I am sorry. We we have to. No, do no, this. no. Do it. Uh, I mean, we all watch the Sex and the City reboot, which is I do because you know I love pain, I guess, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I talked about it like a few weeks ago, uh, like maybe two episodes ago or something. My main thing was about the comedy concert thing that you keep saying, which I'm not <laughs> sure of ha- if anyone has ever called it, called it a concert before. <laughs> that came up at the birthday party I was at this week and someone else brought it up and I thought immediately of you. They were like, why do they keep saying comedy concert? And I was like, I don't know, ask Mohanad. Yeah, and... <laughs> And the worst part was, I was like, okay, comedy concert is going to be the height of it. And then, you know, it's going to get less worse. It kept getting worse, truly. Because apparently in the uh, Sex and the City universe, uh, Che Diaz is the only comedian in New York City. Mm, wow. <laughs> they keep bringing them up everywhere. And I'm like, Can what's you... happening here? So I haven't seen any of it. Not from the beginning, not Sex and the City, nothing. Okay? Yeah. Just been... I'm just poor Otsko seeing Che Diaz on Twitter everywhere and then trying to figure out. I spent like an hour trying to figure it out. And I was like, this is why I hate that show. This is why I fucking, why they fucking remake it. My fucking head hurts. I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I'm supposed to be making money so my grandma and my mom can get a house one day. What the fuck? So, yeah, I was pissed too. But then when Che Diaz goes on, you said, you know, they're like the only comedian in New York. Is there at least like a host? No, they're a, they're a headliner. They're a, oh, okay, it, okay, okay. It, oh, yeah. In one of the episodes, they are filming their comedy special on Netflix. Oh, and okay. Truly one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It's a TED Talk <laughs> slash bad comedy. Uh-huh. And... The people in the crowd, first of all, they had them. Uh, they had them standing up. No one was sitting, <laughs> which is very common for comedy. Because yeah, it's a exactly. concert. Wow, <laughs> it's yep. like it's basically how can we engineer this to be non-appealing for everyone? <laughs> how can we make this absolutely not appeal to a single gay straight non-binary person? That's that's kind of I think the recipe. It's. It's so bad. It's, it's sort of it's a chimera like, hybrid of hell, maybe. Yeah, so. and, the, and the whole set was just like, do not hide, you know, uh, be yourself. That was the whole thing. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I mean, I agree with the message. It's just, where are the jokes? And they were like, well, yeah, we we don't have any comedy writers on the staff, I guess. So this is what we're doing. They felt like, literally, it felt like someone read the Wikipedia page of stand-up comedy and then explained it to two other people. And then those people explained it to the writers. And then they were like, <laughs> okay, I think I understand what stand-up comedy is. No, and- Mohanad. No, that is not. that did not happen because yeah. they didn't tell the part where during a special there would be seats. I don't think <laughs> even that happened. I don't even think it was through a Wikipedia. That is true. And yeah. you, you know how bad you have to be for the Joker not to be the worst stand-up comedian anymore in on TV? Oh, <laughs> like I was like, I, I watched Tay Diaz and I'm like, this is my Joker now. 
<laughs> it's so, yeah, I'm surprised it's so that painful. meme hasn't been made, or if it has, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I truly, I just can't. And I, and I, and I mean, it's like there's like one episode left in this season, and I, I think, in my opinion, is that they should, you know, have a realization that stand up is not for them, and they should go on to, you know, do other things, write a memoir, maybe. I think that would be more like it. Can we talk about how they always do this to set up? folks from marginalized communities like set them up for failure yeah. or like it's like they they're having to like represent like not just the whole people but a whole craft yeah <laughs> and it's just setting them up for failure because some people it's their first time seeing a stand-up but also their first non-binary stand-up that's watching the show exactly yeah it it was basically <sighs> You know, like what the uh, Republicans and alt-right people imagine liberal comedy is like and how <laughs> mm-hmm. they make fun of it, even if it's not true. This is what they did on the show. Mm-hmm. The writing yeah. is so weird and clunky for this character. It's, I remember when they it got introduced, like the first the first words that they say are, I'm a queer, non-binary, Mexican-Irish diva. It just feels like the context is weird and they want to introduce this like this emblematic person who represents all areas of like queerness or non-binary kind of like sort of life and instead of choosing one thing that that person actually could be like instead of choosing Mm -hmm. a person they just take the highlights of all these different sort of aspects of queer life and then smudge it onto one person and of course Mm -hmm. they come out as cringy because it's too much it doesn't like feel like a real cool person which is who you're trying to represent yeah, usually you would take care of that by having a lineup of different people. Yeah, no, they they were like, here's what we have. This lineup has spots for uh, nine white women, and then one <laughs> spot left, we have you just have to fucking <laughs> fill it up with everything. Yeah. yeah, it's like when the when that show Community when they had to make a mascot and they were trying to fit everything out, and then it just came out as a blob. It's like <laughs> Diaz has become like this blob trying to hold all of these things, and it's like uh, not as appealing. All that to say is that. I think there's some defense of Che there. Like, there's, I'm glad that Che is here. I just, um, I hope that, you know, we get more characters who are like this that are like happy and at their peak and doing great. And that is ultimately what Che is representing. It's just a, a gay person who's like fucking doing awesome in their life. And I guess I like that about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, like, you know, any ethnicity can be bad at comedy. <laughs> You know, like (laughs) it's why I believe in women dictatorships and women psychopaths because it's like we are equal, we should be equally evil, just like gay people can own tigers and go to prison for it, too. That's right, exactly. Anyone can be bad except black women, we are perfect. Now it's time for my favorite segment that we do every week. Sorry, not sorry, where we either apologize to someone who we wronged or we demand an apology. I'm going to start with Oha because uh, I feel like you're usually apologizing. So yeah. maybe this week you have someone who would apologize to you. No, no, you're still fucking no. up. Okay, I'm still fucking up. Well, it's not really a big fuck up. You know what I mean? But yeah. this week I definitely um, I put this right next to so you guys would see. I definitely used a puppet of myself in a business meeting. I love it. That is adorable. <laughs> okay. And um, I just want to let you guys both know that it's not appropriate it's not appropriate in business meetings and this is in business for you to use a puppet of yourself to break the ice with new people. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Hi. <laughs> I'm literally using it right now for you podcast listeners, but um, y'all can see it. Yeah, we'll post a picture of this on, on I'm gonna Instagram. I'm give you a little kiss to both of you. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like people don't like it. Maybe that's, uh, that's a problem with them and they need to apologize, but yeah. that's me. Do you have ventriloquist skills or are you just like you talk and the puppet talks at the same time? Yeah, I don't have a lot of ventriloquist squills. Uh, squills. I um, I use uh, the puppet of myself in just dumb stuff on stage. And then also I'll use it um, for like digital stuff like, you know, 
like you do magic sequences and videos and then you become a puppet in a puppet world. That's what she's here for. Just a puppet in a puppet world. Yeah, a puppet in a puppet world. <laughs> and she's living, she's fucking, she's dreaming, she's doing all the things Hillary Duff does in her movies. But yeah, so I do need to apologize to my um, real corporate world friends. I don't think you need to apologize. I need. Okay. The, I think they need to loosen up. Okay, they need to chill the fuck out. And yeah, if you if you're listening to this, fucking chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been in what like a, a two year pandemic now. Just chill. <laughs> Just stop. Well, it is what it is. Uh, Kiki, so what's uh, what's happening this week? You know, um, I actually have an apology to give too. It's okay. not like a terrible apology, Ooh. more of like a fun apology. But I got invited to a birthday party. For someone that it's like a TikTok friend that I hadn't met in person. Um, he was having a birthday party. It was a very COVID safe birthday party. It was outdoors. Everyone had to take a COVID test the day of the party. So very safe. Had a really good time. Beautiful. It was beautiful up in the hills. Gorgeous views. They had a bartender, was getting my drink on. Um, some beauty influencers got some free beauty products. Having a great time. And then I did what I always do. And um, ghosted or Irish goodbye, whatever the term you like to use. Um, it's what I do. And um, I just want to apologize to all those really nice people that I met and just didn't get contact info and just like left the party because I don't know why I do that, especially when I'm in a new town. You know, this is when you want to meet people, get their info, maybe hang out. But I just ghost. I just call the Uber, don't tell anyone I'm leaving, and I just ball out. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, also, I, I, I feel like one thing that people who listen to this podcast need to know, the way we end every episode is just Kiki out of the blue just logs out. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to cut that part every time. We have to edit it out. Every, every, every fucking time. And it's good because sometimes she would like just log out like 15 minutes in and then... We're like, okay, I guess uh, it's a short episode. Yeah. But no, I get it, Kiki. I mean, I, I, I do that all the time, too. I just feel like having to say bye to everyone is just so awkward as an adult. Yeah. It's so awkward. Like, I don't, you know, I'm, I've never been a big hugger. Um, so COVID is great because nobody really wants to hug. But there's still just like the acknowledging and saying goodbye. And, you know, I don't know if it's like, you know, from childhood, from having so many long goodbyes. Like, I don't know if your families are long goodbyers, but I felt like I was around a lot of long goodbyes. So now I just want to yep. like, get to it and like, bye, just out. Yeah. I was a part of the of the tradition that if you didn't kiss a person on both cheeks before you left, yep. they were automatically angry at you. Like oh, it was wow. like, why didn't you say goodbye to me with my two kisses on my on my face? <laughs> are, are you specifically upset about something that I said that evening? And it's like, no, bro, I just left. But that is my tradition. My family in Venezuela, everybody's like that. So I totally get um, Irish goodbying. It's a quick, easy way to just get home. I also would love to know why they called Irish goodbye, but that's just a, a story for another day. Yeah, like, is it offensive? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you put any nationality, race, creed in front of a specific thing, it's probably somewhat offensive. <laughs> Someone yeah. out there is like, that is rude. Well, I don't know. Like, I say Mexican Coca-Cola, and it's the best Coca-Cola ever. Oh, so okay, sometimes that's true. putting something in front <laughs> makes it the best. Yeah. <laughs> Like, don't just give me Coca-Cola. Only serve me Mexican Coca-Cola. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll take a beer. I get maybe, that. Yeah. Maybe Irish goodbye is a good thing. Who knows? Maybe the Irish is very efficient when it comes to time saving. <laughs> like, I don't I don't have the fucking time, man. Like, like we've been trying to Irish goodbye the UK for so long, and they will not let us. Uh, <laughs> not let us get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Well, do we have the perfect trifecta? Do you also owe apologies this week, Mohanad? I do not. I never owe apologies. <gasps> oh, I, am, I, I am. I am a perfect person who uh, lives on this earth among sinners. Mm. Uh, but I need an apology from my mom. Honestly, for for those who don't know, my mom lives in Libya, so she doesn't live in the states. And there's a time difference of maybe like I, I think it's like seven hours or so. But every time she would call me at like one a.m. and pretends to not know what time it is. <laughs> This is what she says. Oh, I literally thought I was calling you earlier this time. And I'm like, is it earlier in your time? And she's like, no. I'm like, how do you think this works? Like, I'm not sure. 
you always call me when it's 1 a.m. my time, so you always call me the same time where you're at. So I'm not sure how you... And she's like... And this is what she does every time. She would literally call me. I'm, I'm in bed and about to go to sleep. And she's like, you sound tired. <laughs> like, yeah, I am. I am. It's the end of the day. It's 1 a.m. And I'm going to sleep. And she's like, oh, okay. I had no idea. And then she would go on and talk for 40 minutes. Yeah. See, no, that's the, yeah, that's where the apology is definitely owed. Like, okay, I forgive you for the calling, but the continuing on of the conversation now that you're aware of what time it is, unacceptable. <laughs> and she would just not stop talking. She would just go on. And my mom is like, is, is, is a school principal. So like she's at her office and literally at some points I have to sit there and wait while she talks to someone else at the office. <laughs> and I just heard the whole conversation. And then she gets back to me and she was like, anyway, what was I saying? I'm like, I have no idea. I really haven't been paying attention. I'm trying to go to sleep. And then she just keeps going. And you need to Irish goodbye that phone call. The minute <laughs> she started talking to someone else, it would have been like, up, oh, click. Sorry, bad connection. Got to go. Some, yeah, sometimes I would do that. Sometimes I would just be like, okay, bye. I'm going to sleep. This is this is going too much. You literally also like complained to me about the same thing yesterday. And I'm hearing it like, I'm like, I don't know if you have a media or something, but we've already discussed this moms are terrible they make everything sound like an emergency the we need to talk she always sends me messages like i need you to call me just this phrase i need you to call me is horrifying terrifying very scary and then you call and then they're like oh yeah no i just wanted to see how you were doing today and i'm like mom yeah. i thought you were dying on the side of a road or something happened to my dad or something like that no and they would always also like sandwich some like either bad news or like weird news in the middle of like nowhere just like you're just there she's just talking to me and she's like so and so died and then changes the subject I'm like you can't just say that and just <laughs> move on like stop doing this it's yeah. it's so fucking weird anyway i don't think she'd ever apologize but yeah no it's your mom like you're never gonna get an apology and you yeah. shouldn't it's your mom <laughs> yeah i guess yeah I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm Sorry underscore podcast we'll be back next week and until then be nice play fair and always say i'm sorry thanks for listening hi i'm elise myers i'm a content creator and comedian you might know me from tiktok why am i in your ears right now well that's a great question i would love to tell you I have a new podcast called Funny Because It's True. On my show, I'll be interviewing comedians, pop culture icons, and also just people I find really funny. We'll be talking about the awkward moments that keep you awake at night. Because if you don't laugh, you cry, right? <laughs> okay, Funny Because It's True. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Feeling decision fatigue about what to make for dinner? We get it. I'm Jane Black. And I'm Liz Dunn. We're veteran food journalists, and as parents ourselves, we know how hard it can be to feed your family. That's why we created Pressure Cooker, a podcast that offers practical strategies for navigating the marketing madness and cultural expectations around mealtime. Each week, we'll check in with the experts. From social media diet trends to baby-led weaning and AI meal planning, we have all your food-related questions covered. Listen to Pressure Cooker wherever you get your podcasts.